If you have your Bibles, you may turn in them to Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on my right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus Christ here in this passage is closing in on Jerusalem in his final journey to the cross. His disciples accompany him. They follow him. But in a certain sense, they take him on a detour. A detour that perhaps, and to no doubt, they did not expect to take, but a, a kind of a moral detour, as all sin, as all folly, is a waste of time and a distraction. Dear friends, when we deviate from the perfect path of following the Lord, we are wasting time. We are wasting precious time, our precious resources, and we are oftentimes bringing others into difficulties on account of it. And we are wasting our master's time. And yet, the Lord never allows his time to be wasted. And so even though he allows, as it were, his disciples to take him on a, on a detour, not, not physically speaking here, but morally speaking, he makes use of this detour for their gain and ours. This detour comes to pass when the mother of Zebedee's children approaches the Lord Jesus and asks for a favor, that favor being that her two sons will sit on Jesus' right hand and on his left in the kingdom. 
Well, our master corrects the flawed thinking and the ambition of his disciples, revealing to them the real ways of his kingdom. These ways are not all about glory, are not about self-promotion and being served. These ways are out of this world, for he as the king comes from heaven to earth on a mission of service to ransom many sinners. Well, let us follow the Lord as he yields to his disciples for a time and ultimately for their good and ours on this sad but blessed detour. The first point being this. The ways of the master's kingdom are not of this world. Oftentimes, those who uh, come into office, whether that's violently through some kind of a coup or whether it's through uh, the process of of a free and a fair election, they often bring with them their their closest uh, companions friends, employees, and associates. They bring them into that administration on their coattails. Well, this is not such a very different concept from what the disciples are asking, James and John, as they they nudge their mother to ask a favor. That's a, a pretty, pretty sad and sorry, isn't it? that they don't even bother to go straight to the master? Doesn't that suggest something of the, the foolishness and the low-mindedness that they have to prod their mother to ask for this, this favor? Well, is it true that the master is going to inherit a kingdom? Yes. Is it true that his disciples, his associates, will be swept up in the glory of this kingdom. Yes. But they fail to understand that there is a great difference. The ways of the master's kingdom are not of this world. Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? That is to say, are you ready to pass through the crucible of hardship and affliction and loss that you may obtain the glory? They say unto him, We are able. What words Now, the other uh, disciples, when they hear what these uh, two, James and John, are, are angling at, they want to be at the prized positions, the immediate right hand and the immediate left hand of the Lord of glory in his kingdom. The other disciples hear it, and they're, they're angry at them. Who do, you, who do you think you are? You see... They're taking Jesus, as it were, on a moral detour. They're acting like children. 
They're full of themselves. They're not thinking of the suffering that is lying before them. They're thinking of the glory. They're thinking of, of, of everything that in this world is involved with coming to power. But that's the problem. Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great, let him be your minister or your servant. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You see, the ways of the master's kingdom are not of this world. In the kingdoms of this world, men lust for position, for power, and glory for themselves. Their chief end is to glorify themselves and to enjoy themselves forever. That's the way it is among the Gentiles. Men trample over others to get to the top. They may smile, they may flatter you, They may wine and dine you, but in the end, you are a tool of their ambition. And when push comes to shove, then push comes to shove. Shove and knock down and trample over if you are getting in my way. Men serve their own interests first and try to get others to serve them. That's the way it is in this world. You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. That they may be served. That they may be attended to and honored and and glorified. As Herod, when everyone acclaimed him and uh, were amazed at his speech and declared, this is the voice not of a man but of a God. Oh, he just basked in that. This is the way it is with the world. It's all about me. But these are not the ways of the Master's kingdom. You see, my disciples, as we make our way to Jerusalem, and as you see the kingdom at the end, and you see my exaltation, and you on my coattails entering into glory, to be sure, you see that, and you see it rightly. But what you don't see is the baptism of suffering. What you don't see is the cup that I must drink of. You're not seeing that. You don't understand it. I'm not entering Jerusalem on a a red carpet 
with all kinds of fanfare. Although when I do come into Jerusalem, you shall hear. You shall hear many who will say, at least for a time, Hosanna in the highest, with their palm branches, symbols of victory before the great king. Oh, they'll, they'll sing my praises, but those same mouths in a short amount of time, will be crying out for my blood. And it has to be this way. And if it must be this way for me, it must be this way for you. My disciples, I put a veto upon the ways of this world upon the ways of the kingdoms of this world where men lust for position, power, and glory. They use others and trample over others to get to the top. And instead of serving others, they serve their own interest first and use others to achieve what they're after. This is not my kingdom. Now, if you don't like this, there's the door. And Christian, if you don't like this, there's the door. If you follow Jesus, you've got to be willing to accept not power but weakness, not glory but shame, misunderstanding. In the kingdom of Christ, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about serving. Which leads us second. The ways of the master's kingdom are not of this world because of the master. Because of the master. Now, we will never appreciate the ways of the kingdom if we don't understand the king of the kingdom. It will make absolutely no sense. There will be a total and fundamental disconnect, and you will reject it, as so many did. You see, the reason why the ways of the master's kingdom are not about Lust for position, power, and glory. Not about doing what needs to be done to get our agendas finished. It's not about using others and serving our own interests first. It's not about that. Why? Why are the ways of the Master's kingdom not like this? Why are they so radically contrasted from the ways of the world? It's because of the master himself. It's because of the king. Jesus, the son of man, the king of glory, is himself not of this world. He came into it from beyond. Verse 28, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Notice that, that, that simple word came. It alludes to the palaces of heavenly glory, which he left. He left it behind, friends. How many of you? If you are bathed in 
riches and opulence and every pleasure that you could have? Would you leave it behind? Well, he who is rich for our sakes became poor. He left all of it behind. That's why the kingdom is so different, because the king is so different. He's not cut from the same fleshly, self-serving, glory-seeking cloth. The Son of Man came not on an errand of enslavement, but of service. Now look at the great kingdoms. The great kingdoms with their their military strength, the, the Huns as they swept into Europe. Alexander the Great as he as he brought uh, such vast tracts of land under the reign of the Greeks or the Romans, who vanquished the the barbarian hordes of the north. Jesus called unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. That's the way it is with these great kingdoms. It's at the expense of others. It'll cost you everything. You are ultimately not to be factored into the equation because it's not about you. Well, that's the way it is. It's to have other people serve. In the worst case, to be enslaved, or even worse than that, to pine away. Or even to be executed. Think of, think of Joseph Stalin. And all those people that were slaughtered under his reign, they were just simply cogs in the machine. They didn't matter. As they were sent into the gulag, unthinkable, inhumane degradation, But there is Joseph Stalin, the man of steel. Was it about serving the Russian people? Or was it Stalin serving himself by the Russian people? You see, this this is an epitome of what Jesus is saying. This is the worst of what the world has to offer. And yet it's the very best that the world can offer for shame. That's what they do. They use the iron fist. But the Son of Man came not on an errand of enslavement, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Not to be served, but to serve. He had the many on his mind. Not to trample upon, to build a bridge by dead bodies 
so that I can walk over as on dry ground. No, but Jesus had the many on His mind for their salvation. It's the opposite of selfishness. My disciples, you must understand, this is the way of my kingdom because this is my way. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He came on an errand of sacrifice. He sacrificed Himself. And that is why in His kingdom there must be the surrender of our rights and of our interests. It shall not be so among you as among the Gentiles, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life, that sacrifice. He came on an errand of ransom to give his life a ransom for many. You have a life that is in grave danger, dear friend. It is liable unto death. And the wages of sin is death. And God has a day of accounting. When the dead, the small and the great will stand before God. When the books will be opened. The dead will be judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, there are many sinners and they are liable to hell. And there must be satisfaction. There must be satisfaction. And this this fiery furnace where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, it will satisfy God's offended justice. But hell will not satisfy the Son of Man because his heart is large for those who must satisfy the law. So instead, he gives his own life. A ransom is paid in fair exchange to release the life of that loved one. Indeed, that numberless army of those whom the Father has given to the Son, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. And so the Son of Man came on an errand of substitution, where one volunteers to take the place of another in order to satisfy justice and effect the release of those who were bound to pay. This is illustrated very powerfully, isn't it, in Genesis 44, 
when Judah is pleading uh, with his older brother or his younger brother, rather, whom he does not know is in fact Joseph. Now, therefore, when I come to thy, to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth the lad is not with us that he will die, and thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever." Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant remain instead of the lad, a bondman, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go with his brethren. So you see what Judah is doing. He he realizes that as this Egyptian Lord is insisting that, that the prized child Benjamin remain with him, In Egypt, Judah, moved with compassion, offers himself for the boy. He pays the ransom, or that is to say, he is prepared to pay the ransom. This is, of course, the the great principle that we see in the Old Testament within the sacrificial system where there is a kind of a substitution. The death of the Lamb for the sinner. To ransom the lives of many, there must be a substitute death. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He pays. He pays in the legal tender, the only legal tender that is accepted in heaven. The only currency that has any weight or merit or value before the infinitely holy God, and that is the blood of his precious Son. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, notice he doesn't say the U.S. dollar, which is more and more inflated every minute but with corruptible things as silver and gold. You see, even here, silver and gold, it's it's nothing in the court of heaven. You are not redeemed with these things from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. A church father writes... Oh, the sweet exchange. Oh, the inscrutable creation. Oh, the unexpected benefits that the iniquity of many should be concealed in one righteous man. And the righteous one should justify many that are iniquitous. It is the one for the many. That's me. That is your king. That is your majesty. And you are to follow me, even as I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many and to do all of this voluntarily. 
O learn, disciples, the mission of the Master. And weigh these most precious, weighty, profound words of service, sacrifice, ransom, and substitution. All of these things come together, they coalesce in the cross. It is only by this cross that you can be saved. You must be served, but not as you think you should be served. Not as you would have yourself served, but as you truly need to be served. O sinner, do you know the necessity of the cross? The necessity of this service, this sacrifice, this ransom, this substitution. There must, there must be a satisfaction. And if you do not enjoy this service, if you do not receive this satisfaction, then you will, you will satisfy the wrath of God, both in this life and that which is to come. But perhaps you say, I can satisfy for my own sins. I can do enough good things to make up for the bad. I can do extra good works. Moral overtime to pay back my debts. No and no. First, you will keep amassing debt as you try to pay it back. And then you will overestimate your ability to reform yourself and turn over a new leaf. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to doing evil. Oh, but I must do my part in paying the ransom. This may satisfy you, but it will not satisfy God nor will it satisfy Jesus. But perhaps you, you object, oh, all of this seems so overblown. Will God really send me to hell if I have avoided grosser sins? Well, the value of something is determined by its owner, not the offender. The value of something is determined by the owner, not the offender. How does God value His law? It's precious to Him. He will have it kept perfectly, personally, and perpetually. Not the majority of the commandments, but all of them. And He will have them kept, not superficially, but from the heart, with right motives. God sees where man cannot. Imagine if we could read into each other's minds. Things that appear small in this world can, in fact, be very weighty. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that we don't know exactly what passes through each other's heads. Or we'd be at each other's throats. Consider also, a glass of water weighs about a half a pound. The same glass of plutonium 
weighs about 11 pounds. That's 20 times heavier than water. That would make your glass of plutonium as heavy as a large bag of potatoes. So it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? And so, the transgression of the law is much greater to God than it is to you. Oh, to you it's so very easy to step over the line. And to you it's not such a big thing because it's not your line. But it's God's. And so the death that he threatens is much worse and much weightier than the physical death, which is why the payment had to be much greater than his mere physical death on the cross. He had to be the very Son of God, drinking the cup of God's wrath. Smeaton says, the Lord gave life for life, or in other words, encountered death in all its breadth of meaning, thus depriving it of its sting. Do not allow yourself to be detoured from the cross. And so, briefly, in closing, those who follow the Master must be as the Master. Walk in the ways where the Master leads. No more detours of self-promotion. No more detours about you and where you're going to sit and how many eyeballs are going to be on you. Whether you get the corner office, whether you get your name emblazoned upon the banner, how many people will be attending to you and serving you, no more of this. Because the Son of Man came to serve you, not to be served and to give His life a ransom for many. Therefore, no more detours of self-promotion, lusting after power and glory, climbing over, trampling upon others to get to the top. No more using others, but serving them. Be assured that if you follow in this path, there will be no dead ends, but there will be a kingdom, a kingdom that awaits those who suffer with Christ and are glorified at the end. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, do Thou forgive our waywardness, the many detours of folly and pride and self-love. Teach us the way of the Master, and therefore beautify all our relationships. And we pray that we would continue to return to this cross 
and to live uh, from its power. We ask now this to thy name's praise, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated.